You're listening to the Biblical Fiction Buffs podcast, and I'm your host, Jenna Van Maurick. On this podcast, we discuss all sorts of things related to biblical fiction and the best in ancient historical Christian fiction. What you're about to hear is a previously recorded Instagram Live book club discussion. In case you didn't know, Biblical Fiction Buffs is also an online quarterly book club hosted by me on Instagram. Every season, we vote on a book, then we read it and study it together, and at the end of the quarter, we get together on Instagram for a live discussion. Sometimes there's games, sometimes there's trivia and giveaways, but it's always a good time of discussion and fellowship and talking about the wonderful truths we can learn about God through the art of story. If that sounds like something you're interested in, then be sure to check us out at Biblical Fiction Buffs on Instagram or visit my website www.authorgenevanmaurick.com. For now, enjoy this episode and be sure to subscribe to our podcast for more entertaining bookish content like this. Biblical Fiction Buffs live meeting, live book club meeting, live discussion. Hello everyone. I'm going to try to wave to you all as you enter, but if I forget or if I miss you, it's nothing personal. It's just me trying to do too many things at once. But yeah, I have water here because I know I'm going to need it. I've got all my notes. I've got a bunch of fun things for games and I made cue cards for myself because gotta stay organized. Oh, everyone's saying hi to you, Viper. Yeah, you don't care. Okay. <laughs> All right, so yeah, welcome to the first official BFB Instagram live meeting. All of these, fun fact, are printed in reverse, so I can't read this at all. That's a little trick I learned from Audrey, Audrey Bodine, when she did a live once, but yeah. Welcome, you guys. Let's just get started then, because you're all here. <laughs> But you're still great, Audrey. I still love you. You're all here, so let's get started. I'm going to open in prayer, and then we're going to dive into the book discussion. I have mine covered in sticky tabs, so it's going to be fun, you guys. And if you can, make sure that you have your book near you, because we're going to do a trivia game, and there may or may not be prizes. So just join me in saying a quick word of prayer before we begin. Dear God, thank you so much for the Biblical Fiction Buffs, for all the buffs who are out there watching, everyone who is a part of this group. I'm just so grateful for each and every one of them and the community that we have together. And that's all thanks to you. Thank you also for providing us with wonderful books to read that point us back to you and allow us to dig deeper into your word and just bless this meeting. And I hope it blesses other people and just grant me some peace and wisdom as I go into this discussion and help me not to stutter my words so much. And we just ask all these things in your name and thank you for everything, amen. All right, hello everyone. Gonna wave to some people. All right, so let's get started with the scripture reading. If you have your book, A Light on the Hill, it's actually gonna be at the beginning, but if you don't, don't worry, I'm gonna read it out loud. I just wanted to start by reading the scripture that the book is based off of. Um, and I have a little card here, so I'll hold that up. Um, I don't know if you can read it. I don't know if the bandwidth is gonna make that possible, but just in case, I have it printed out there for you. And I have my own right here. So 
Joshua 21 through 3 in the New American Standard Bible Version. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, Designate the cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the manslayer who kills any person unintentionally without premeditation may flee there, and they shall become your refuge from the avenger of blood. So a few things I just want to talk about real quick before we get into the book discussion. Hey, everyone. Oh, oh, no. Technical difficulties. I apologize. Eh, okay, great. That didn't work out as well as I planned at all. <laughs> this is great. Just a few things I want to talk about real fast. Um, I just, first of all, I love the idea that God was thinking to create a cities of refuge for people. Um, because uh, I know it's so shocking. You read that and you're like, oh, that's a nice verse. There's going to be some nice cities of refuge. And then you get to like page 20 and you're like, what? <laughs> Say what now? What just happened? I thought this was going to be like a sweet little biblical fiction novel with some romance. Look at that cover. It looks so peaceful and serene. What do you mean there's conflict? I just love that God was providing cities of refuge for people, even before he had sent Jesus to come down and die on the cross to cover our sins. That is just something that I think is really cool and neat to know um, that he really did care about his people. But yeah, also the avenger of blood people. That's that's biblical. If someone did something against you, you could go after them technically for it. And I don't think I'd be mad if that happened in my family, but I don't know if I'd be necessarily right there to avenge with blood. But um, that's just something that is really kind of shocking in my opinion. But yeah, let's get into the book discussion. So if you guys have anything that you want to say during the book discussion, feel free to just comment it. I'll try to read the comments as I go, but for the most part, since I've already posted the book discussion questions to the BFB discussion board, I'm just going to be going through the book and talking about all the parts that I tabbed, what they meant to me, and then if you guys have comments, we can engage and talk about those there because it really is like a typical book club discussion, except I can only hear myself and I can only read your thoughts as opposed to if we were all sitting in the same room. Um, wouldn't that be neat? But yeah, I just want to kind of think of it like we're all meeting in my house at my living room, talking, chatting. So if you have anything you want to, you know, chat about, just go ahead and comment. I'll try to read them as I go. If I miss it, again, it's nothing personal. But yeah, let me take a sip of water real fast. Yeah, cultural norm limited by God's law. But yeah. I mean, cultural norm for biblical times, kind of what I was saying, yeah. But it's just crazy, just crazy. As much as I love reading about Bible times and studying them and writing about them and just doing all the biblical time things, I'm not really sure I'd want to live back then. It sounds really scary. It's kind of like when you read like a book in the 1800s, set in the 1800s, and you think about like all the things they had to deal with, and you're like, this is romantic, but also... I'm glad I have modern toilet conveniences. Weird. All right. So one of the first, some of these are thoughts that I wrote in the margins. Some of these are just quotes. But one of the first things that really stood out to me when I was reading A Light on the Hill was after, of course, we read about her getting her brand in the prologue 
and we can you can read more about that in the Out from Egypt series, which is really great. I highly recommend it, but it just jumps straight into the future tense and she's in like a marketplace setting walking around and I thought it was really interesting that when she describes the shame that she's feeling when Mariah describes the shame that she feels when people look at her and judge her for what's on her face. Um, she describes it as, or Connie Lynn Cassette, the amazing author, describes it as white hot flashes of shame pulsing through her body. And I find that very interesting because white hot flashes, it's kind of the same sort of imagery that you would get if you were reading about when she actually receives the burn, when she actually receives the mark that mars her face permanently. Um, and I think it's sort of interesting, kind of, for me, gave me this visual reference that every time she feels judgment from someone, every time she feels like someone is looking at her differently because of her face, um, it's like she's re-experiencing that whole experience all over again. And that was just something that I thought was super brilliant in terms of writing. I was reading that and I was like, man, I want to be able to write like that as a writer. And then as a reader, that's, it's just very descriptive. And I really liked that a lot. So yeah. Something else that I immediately loved, that I think was loved, that I think loved, that I think was definitely foreshadowing for the rest of the series. If you've read the entire series, great. If you haven't, don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it really foreshadows the entire series. After Ramona gets burned at like the dance and they take her, I think she gets burned, and Derek and Mariah take her back to Mariah's house. Um, she, um, you know, is there to help her and they go to Aura to get ointment and they're talking and Mar Mar Ramona, Mariah, Ramona is sitting there and she's like, why are you helping me? What are you doing? I'm mean to you and I don't like you and meh, mood. And Mariah just says, perhaps I don't know anything about you. And this is on page 55. If you want to follow along, you don't have to, but if you want to, it's on page 55. She says this, I may not know anything about you, but the same can be said of what you know of me. Regardless, you are welcome here if you have need of refuge. And this kind of, if you're in the BFB discussion group on Goodreads, then you would probably remember, I'm a failure. You would probably remember um, when I shared an article about being a city of refuge, <laughs> Audrey, um, yourself and being a city of refuge to other people, just knowing that other people, <laughs> um, you know, we talked about that in the discussion boards on the book club on Goodreads, but I think it's really interesting that not only does Mariah eventually flee to a city of refuge, but she also is a refuge to other people. She is caring all throughout the book. Anyone can come to her and she will help them regardless. She may not like, I think their names are Zeev and Yared, the boys um, that tragically die. Uh, she may not like them and she may, you know, want to uh, protect Eaton from them, but she's also, she would never purposefully put them in harm's way. Her first thought is, of course, just to protect people. And that's really an interesting point. And I never caught that the first time that I read this book. This was my second time reading A Light on the Hill. And this was, um, I never caught that before. I was like, 
I never put those together and having read books two and three shelter of the most high and until the mountains fall so excited for like flames in the night but um having read those I can totally like see that connection that's something that carries through and is a part of her character and like what um yeah um Nicole also just commented about seeing the foreshadowing and everything that happens there's a lot of it in this book that I never picked up on the first time I read it and I would definitely recommend rereading it at some point you don't have to obviously if you just read it but that was something that was very interesting something I want to comment on that was a part of <sighs> Mariah's journey throughout the book was how she's constantly when she starts a prayer or whenever she's praying she tends to start it with Yahweh if you hear me at all Yahweh if you're even there she just she kind of knows that he exists because um, he is such a part of her family her life her culture everything but she doesn't know if he's a personal god or if he's just a dictator god in the sky who doesn't care about her because she had such a traumatic experience when she was younger and that was one time if you've read out from egypt series you'd know that she was always kind of a positive one she always had a lot of faith and she had that experience where she wanted god to save her and he didn't and that was very hard for her to go through and i think we've all had a few experiences, maybe not traumatic like that, but I personally have had many experiences in my life where I'm just like, that was hard and I still don't understand why God chose to allow me to go through that or why God put me through that in that case. And yeah, um, I can definitely relate to those feelings of Yahweh, if you hear me, Yahweh, if you're really there. Um, God, are you even listening to me? Do you even care what I think? Sometimes it feels to me like when I'm praying, I'm like, if I'm praying and I'm talking out loud, it's like I'm just talking to a wall or an empty space and there's nothing there. And I think that can be very difficult. Um, sometimes, you know, you can feel the Holy Spirit and sometimes you just have to trust and know that God is always there for you and he's always listening. But that is definitely something that I have dealt with and can relate to. And I really enjoyed how that carried all throughout the novel. That's something that's just like, this could have been written just, God, don't let these men or their families suffer on my account. But again, it was a writing choice to add those subtle little things like, if you hear me, those little doubts to kind of build that up. And then when she finally does hear um, I don't know if it's described as an audible voice, but when she finally does hear or feel the Holy Spirit actually talking to her, it's such a pivotal moment that she realizes that he's been there all along and this has all been an experience that he is putting her through um, to sharpen her. I thought that was really incredible. Let me read some comments since y'all are, y'all are really getting active there. Um... Yep, she is a great representation of the city she is trying to run to. There's so much symbolism. I agree. These books are full of symbolism that I didn't catch. Like Nicole said, um, the first time I read this, I read it all in like a couple of hours. The second time I read this, I read it in about four or five hours, I think it took me to read it. So I can pretty much just sit and blow through these books. It took me a little bit longer because I was um, keeping little sticky tabs. The first time I read this, it was actually Christmas vacation when I was in college and my parents had gone to bed and I decided to start this at nine and I finished it at um, almost one in the morning. So yeah, this is the second time that I've read it. 
and it's just really easy to go through but the second time I realized how really rich in content it is and how much there is that you can actually learn from this I wasn't expecting that when I I expected that this would be a good book for the book club but I wasn't necessarily expecting all of that symbolism when I picked it I was pleasantly surprised um, I think at one time or another all of us can relate to the feeling of wondering if God really hears our prayers very true I think that's one of the hardest questions we're asked as Christians. Why did this happen? Doesn't God love me? And sometimes we will never know why it happened, so it's very difficult to encourage people. That is very true. You may never know why something happened in your life, but somebody else might. <laughs> like, um, you might do something casually one day, and you'll never know how that affected someone, and that's really interesting. I could say something in this live that could affect someone watching, and I might never know that that happened. Um, so yeah, we... Whoop. Nope. We may go through bad things, but it's important to remember we're going out, not staying there. I really like the way you put that. It's important to remember that we're we're going through them. We're not just in them permanently. I like that a lot. I might like print that out into a quote. Yeah, it's really it's such a rich book. So full of detail. And okay, okay, I just realized why I bookmarked this page. This is page 126, which is when we first get a real glimpse into what Derek's character is like and um, what kind of a guy he is. He's a great guy, just saying. Um, fantastic male lead, in my opinion, but I completely, and this is really embarrassing because I've read the whole series up until this point, and I completely forgot about Derek's past and his mom being killed because of a, a crime she was accused of that she didn't commit. I don't know how I let that slide, but now that I remember it, oh my word, so many things that happened in like Shelter of the Most High and Until the Mountains Fall just got like 10 times more crazy in my mind. I'm like, wait, wait, what? I do not remember that happening at all that was nuts sorry it's getting a little hot in here I tend to get a little warm when i get excited but yeah i was completely <laughs> caught off guard and most of you probably weren't because you were reading this for the first time and you were paying attention but i i was not paying attention at all and i just once again i remembered why it is that i love him so much and i love how his relationship develops with mariah throughout the rest of the series which if you want to see more of derek you're gonna have to read the other books and i strongly recommend it um so yeah that was just something that i just needed to express <laughs> with my mind because i was so mind blown that i'd forgotten that and um yeah yeah You've blended it with Pearl in the Sand. I have such a hard time distinguishing between books, especially these past couple years, because I've read so much that I have completely forgotten. Um, I Yeah, it's so hard to keep them straight. But yeah, Mariah and Derek are like endgame goals, you know? They're just, they're my OTP in fiction. I think they might be my favorite couple in biblical fiction of all time. I don't know. I'll have to do like a YouTube video on that or something. <sighs> And then I love how that develops throughout the book. Um, I just turned to page 181, which is another page that I bookmarked, um, when he's talking about his mother's death and she's talking about how she just wants to keep hiding and wearing the veil. She doesn't want to take it off. And it's 
really big moment and they're talking about it and then she remembers about his mother and his past and how there was probably a stigma surrounding him as well it says the stigma that would be attached to such a thing i'd not considered how others might view him as the son of an executed adulterer and then he says in his wonderful Derek man voice, I had a choice too, Mariah. I could hide myself, be a coward, and run from the people who mocked and ridiculed me, from those people with sharp tongues who questioned my father in front of me whether he was even certain I was his son. But he didn't. And I'm like, I totally just like the way they can relate to each other. It's so unexpected and it just happens in that moment. And it's just so many feelings. Her first encounter with each other is such a butterflies-inducing moment. 100% agree. They're my favorite. I've explained that. They're my favorite couple ever. Hands down. Not even a competition. I love all the couples in the Cities of Refuge series, but Mariah and Derek really take the cake, and I'm glad we get to see the most of them, as opposed to, um, because they're in every single book, and not everyone is. <sighs> okay, I'm making a big jump here because things really got crazy towards the end. And that's why I have the most notes at the end. Um, I just have to say, this is another quote that I just really liked. When, you know, Mariah is making the decision, like they're like, we could stay here forever and no one would ever find us. And she's like, no, I have to go. She has that resolve. And even though it puts her in harm's way, she's willing to do that. I think that's another example of just her being a refuge. She doesn't want anyone else to get hurt for her crimes, for her what she's accused of, and she's going to protect people even if it means putting herself first. So yeah, and he's upset. And that's something that I thought was interesting for Derek's character because throughout the book he'd been very conflicted about whether or not you know, Mariah deserved to be put on trial for what had happened or whether or not she didn't. He had some moments where he was like, I really don't know how I feel about you because you killed my nephews, but also you're a really nice person and it's really complicated. And he just, he says like, but I lose you either way. First I lost you to Revive, and now I may lose you to imprisonment or worse. How can I ensure justice when everything in me screams for mercy? And that's like one of the first times that we really like, I think know definitively that Derek has fallen for Mariah. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And it's just really crazy. And they're talking about her burn and it just goes on to say, I could not imagine the terror you must have endured as a girl, the pain, the agony of such a horrific burn. And Mariah, of course, feels shame. And she says, it's hideous, I know. And then my favorite quote in the book, if you're wondering where the page reference is for this, it's 227. This is merely a war wound, Mariah. No different from the ones I and the men I have fought beside have acquired over the past few years in battle. All it does is prove that you are a survivor, a warrior in your own right in the war for this land. Mic drop. <laughs> that was just such a moment where I think if you hadn't fallen for Derek by then, there was no turning back, in my opinion. I love the characters. Connie Lynn Cosette is phenomenal at character development and character-driven stories. Let me pause and read through some of your lovely comments. Again, I have to keep doing this. Um, hello everyone. Mariah really grew in the story and it's easy to see through her decisions near the climax. Yeah, 
she totally just becomes this confident person. She's like, I don't care. I'm going to go undercover. I'm going to save this person. I'm going to take off my veil, even if it puts me in danger. I'm going to do these things. You're going to listen to me. She becomes assertive. She owns herself. She owns her identity. She accepts that it's a part of who she is, and she just moves forward like um, someone, I forget who it was, but like one of you guys said earlier, she's going through the hard times. She's not staying in them. She's moving forward um, literally about as fast as she can run to the city of Kadesh. <laughs> um, all the feels, ugh, Revive, the scene where he rips Mariah's veil off in the vineyard. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. That was so, like, disrespectful, you know what I'm saying? Um, I just, it's, because you can tell that's such a hard thing for her, and he just has no care. But then there's Derek, on the other hand, who's just sitting there, and he's like, when you're ready, you know, I want you, like, you need to be ready for this. This needs to be something that you work through. And he's just so good at encouraging her and uplifting her. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. The way he reacted to her scar was really incredible. I think as women, we all have parts of ourselves that we're ashamed of or we might like to change. Um, maybe not a scar on your face that represents something truly terrible, but like the way that he's just like, it's a part of you, this is what it is, and also turned it into this moment to encourage her was just really nice. Really nice. Battle scars. She's so strong. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, <laughs> I made notes here in this section, so I need—I clearly need to make sure that I talk about this before before we move on. Um, it's not right. Justice demands my life. So this is when she's again talking about how she needs to go to Kadesh. She can't avoid taking responsibility for her actions anymore. And I really love, she's talking about, she's finally starting to hear Yahweh's voice again. She's finally starting to feel that connection again, that kind of Holy Spirit feeling that she's been craving throughout the entire story with those questions we talked about earlier, like, are you even there? Do you even listen? Are you even hearing me? And she has this moment where Derek is again trying to convince her, like, please don't do this. I don't want you to die. I care for you now. And she says, if I ignored the Torah, I would bear an even greater burden than the one I carry now. It would destroy me and it would destroy any chance at Shalom for us together. I have only now begun hearing Yahweh speak again. This is the important part. I cannot bear to pull the veil between us once more. I thought that was just like, as a metaphor, very amazing. But also she's finally like taken off her veil and accepted who she is and like, accepted that part of her she doesn't feel like she needs to hide it anymore but like she doesn't want to that veil has become so much more to her than just a covering for her face it's also a part of like how she disconnected herself from god so it's both a physical veil and a metaphorical veil and i was like that was another one of those moments like where i was like the word play there was incredible mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then she says it was I who had blocked out the words of Yahweh, not Yahweh, who had gone silent. And I think that's very true. She may have cut out that part of her life because she didn't want to deal with that. She didn't want to talk to a God that allowed her to go through that rather than talking to him and letting him help her through that rather than leaning on, um, leaning on him during that time. Yeah. I'm shocked at all the references I didn't put together the first time I read this either. Now, now that I'm reading it for a second time, I was going through specifically to take notes for you guys. And I was like, there's so much content here. This is not going to fit into 
one live. And then again, it happens again on page 250 when she says, allowing the veil that had been ripped away when Derek had kissed me in those warm crystal blue waters to drop back over my heart, I turned away from him. This is a part in the book where she puts on a veil again, because a metaphorical veil, because she knows she knows that Derek would do anything for her and she can't let that happen because it's not right. She needs to to do what God commands her to do. And so she, for his own good, puts a veil between them. And that was very, very shocking. Did Jewish women wear veils at that time? So Mariah does because of the scar, obviously. And then there are certain moments in the book where veils are worn, particularly because of a festival that's happening. Um, I think it would very much depend on the time because the Bible covers a few thousand years. And so things changed a lot. Sometimes married women would be veiled. Sometimes it just changed a lot. There's a lot of cultural research um, that goes into it. But yeah, there's a lot of things here. And then here on 283, I know you guys aren't going to be able to see this, but she hears God's voice. Whenever she hears God's voice, it's in bold. And it says, remove the veil. And that is, again, one of those things that helps her just own herself and just have a power moment. There's so much here. Um, I'm going to kind of briefly gloss over a few things, but there's just such a theme of mercy and grace, but also justice in the face of injustice. There's a lot here. There's a lot of symbolism about veils, both physical and metaphorical, um, about hearing God's voice when we don't feel like that. There's so much to unpack in this book. Um, and of course, Mariah at the end feels guilty because she feels like she's ruined Derek's family. When when they finally like talk again and he's like, you haven't ruined my family. This is something that my family's gonna have to deal with. And if you've read the series, you know that this plays into the rest of the series. This action affects pretty much everything. Um, but he's like, you haven't ruined my family, especially because I think there's a part of him that's like, you're my family now, Mariah. <laughs> Eyebrows right there. Those, <laughs> that eyebrow raising moment, you know? Um, and then we just have the conclusion that's just so beautiful when they, um, Derek raised a hand to cut my marred cheek in his warm palm and I lifted a smile, glad that a veil, veil, no longer hid the curve of my lips from the man who saw past the mark and into my heart. So again, I just love the symbolism in this book of veil and, you know, hearing God's voice. There's just so much there. So yeah, that was, that was the book discussion, but let's, let's, I'll read a few comments and then we can move on to the other stuff I have planned because we've got some games. We've got some games. Yep, Temple Veil. That's a very good comparison. I love that. I wish I could like like comments on here um, because that's that's very, that's very good. I haven't thought about that either. Um, that's great. I love seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. Same, same. I actually, a long time ago, my grandma gave me a book that was like finding Jesus in every book of the Bible. Don't know what happened to it, but yeah. Definitely very interesting. Such a powerful scene. Nice foreshadowing of when the veil in the temple is torn in half. Y'all, all you are putting these things together that I missed. You guys are incredible readers. Um, that's so true, though. I had completely forgotten about the veil and how that might play into some New Testament um, parallels there when we talk about when Jesus is crucified and the veil gets pulled away. And when Mariah's veil gets pulled away, she's able to find find mercy and 
you know, grow as a person. That's really great. You guys, you guys are really great. I love this discussion that's happening right now. So yeah, I have a trivia game for you guys now. If you have your books out, this might be a good time to start looking at them. But um, there's going to be four questions. The first person to respond to each question, um, if you could send me, DM me your email address and I will be sending you um, digital files. Of, if you guys remember when I did the giveaway back in September of the Cities of Refuge scripture verse prints so that you can print them in whatever size you want. But if there's, that's the prize. So there's four questions. First person to answer each question, go ahead and DM me your email address and I will send you those digital files. And are you ready? <laughs> the first question is, when Yuval is injured, what alias does Mariah use in order to blend in when she goes to seek out help for him? Piper doesn't care. Piper does not care at all. It's a play on her own name. I'll give you a hint. I'm going to do 10 more seconds and then if nobody else gets it. Yes, you got it. I'm going to write down your username. It is Moriel Sarah Lizzie. You are the first person to comment in. Congratulations. You have won digital files. Um, there you go. All right. Second question. What color eyes does Mariah have? <laughs> Yay. I actually forgot about her eye color. And when you look closely at the book cover, it's kind of there. You can kind of see it. And I never noticed that before. Yes, Naomi's bookshelf. You are the winner of question two. Go ahead. When this is over, DM me your email address and I will go ahead and uh, send you the digital files. They're described at one point, I had to look this up earlier today. They were described as like silvery gray. So that's that's the scene that I'm going with here. Um, but yeah. Now question number three, this should be an easy one. So make sure you have your fingers poised at the keyboard and ready to answer. When did Derek first notice Mariah? You can be as specific as you want. Go ahead. Let's all talk about this swoon-worthy moment between Mariah and Derek, my two favorite characters in fictional history. <laughs> be specific. Naomi, you got it again. Audrey, you were the second to comment, so I'm going to give this one to Audrey since you're already getting one. In the bushes, she was hiding in the trees, in the bushes, specifically under a fig tree. Just fun fact there. When she was hiding. So Audrey, I declare you the third winner of the trivia game. Go ahead and DM me an email address. I think I already have it, so that's cool. All right. Question number four. This is the final trivia question. This is your final opportunity to get digital files of the scripture verse prints that I gave away in September. <sighs> what was the fatal ingredient in Mariah's stew that caused the deaths of the two boys, of Revive's two sons? What was the ingredient's name? 
This one I think is hard. Um, yeah, Piper, what you barking at? We're like the only ones in this house. This one I think was very hard. If you're looking in the book, it can be found kind of towards the end. Yep, Bobby Sue Davis, it was Olean. Oh, oh, wait, Wendy, Wendy, you were the first one to write it. So I'm gonna give it to you. Go ahead and DM me your, I'll give it to you both Wendy and Bobby because I saw you guys, they popped up at the same time um, for me on my screen. I don't know how it looks on your screen, but on my screen, Wendy and Bobby, both of you, are gonna be winners because I could not distinguish which one of those came in first. So if you want those files, those digital verse prints, go ahead and DM me your email address or contact me via the contact form on my website, all of you guys, and I will be sending you guys those um, those scripture verse prints, those digital files. I'm just writing down all the names so that I can remember. <laughs> okay, great. Moving on from trivia. Thank you. If you said I had great questions, thank you. All right, so now we're going to talk about winter. Are you guys ready to talk about like the future of the book club? Is everyone ready to go on and talk about what we're going to be doing in winter? Because I sure am. Um, if you guys know, I do a quarterly book club giveaway every quarter, every time we start a new quarter. So in the fall, I gave away scripture verse prints, um, a light on the hill merch, Connie Lynn Cassette sent me bookmarks to include, and that was the fall giveaway, the a light on the hill refuge themed giveaway. I have a giveaway planned. I've already got the winter giveaway planned, and that's going to be happening on in December. So I'm going to post the details for how to enter in the actual discussion group, in the actual book club forum. So make sure that you are involved, active on Goodreads to make sure you don't miss out on entering that. But that's where I'm gonna be sharing that. And I'm actually gonna be sharing with you guys a sneak peek today at some, not all, but I'm gonna be sharing with you guys some of the prizes that are gonna be exclusive to that Goodreads BFB giveaway. Um, not all of them, there's a lot to unpack, but I'm gonna share with you just a few things. The first thing, that is going to be in the winter giveaway is this book sleeve. And um, I already have the prizes tucked in, so I'll go ahead and take out a few for you guys. But it is the Names of God book sleeve. It has a gray lining, which you can fold up over or down. And it has all the names of God, King of Kings, P Prince of Peace, all of that. I actually love this so much that uh, I got two. I bought one for myself as well, so I used that, but I absolutely thought these were adorable and they were so fitting. If you can't tell, this is going to have a Names of God theme, um, kind of along the lines of Christmas and you shall call him Emmanuel, all that kind of thing, because we're going into winter. The second thing, one of the many things that will be in this giveaway, is actually a set of Names of God bookmarks, and these are by Annie Bananis Art here on Instagram. A lot of you guys may already follow her, but I got these. And they just have the names of God. I know they're going to be backwards for you guys. And you won't be able to see them, but these are something that's going to be in there. And then the last thing that I'm going to show you, because I don't want to reveal all my secrets yet. The last thing that I'm going to show you that's going to be in this giveaway is a book. It's not a fictional book. Well, yeah, it's not a fictional book, but it is Everyday Life in Bible Times. This is actually a book that I have, and I think it's really neat, and uh, I bought a second copy to give away. Everyday Life in Bible Times, and it just has all these pictures. There's, It's organized by, like, topic, so 
I think this will be really fun for a biblical fiction fan to go through and read about the, the settings and the traditions and the culture and all the things that are involved in that. Um, and it's, it's really neat. I love this. I, this was one of the first ever reference kind of books that I bought in terms of biblical culture. Um, I bought this when I was working at Lifeway. If you don't know, I used to work at Lifeway and, um, really great. But yeah, I ordered a second copy for you guys. And so one person's going to get the book sleeve bookmarks and also this reference book. And there might also be some neat other things as well. So make sure that's just a sneak peek. That's not everything, but make sure that you're active on the Goodreads group so you don't miss the details on how to enter that, um, giveaway. So we're going to vote on the winter book soon. Um, that's the thing that I'm going to do last in this giveaway when I close it. But um, right now, I just, you guys are all giving me so many hearts right now. I love it. It's because these prizes are gorgeous, isn't it? Um, I'm going to close this out with a Q&A before I announce what we'll be voting on for in terms of the winter book. So if you have any questions about the book club, about winter, about the giveaway, go ahead and ask those now. Any last comments that you guys just want to throw in, um, I'll just do a quick little 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 2 minutes, depending on how many we get, of answering those and talking about those. And then we will can jump into the voting process to establish what our winter book is. If you guys don't know or weren't aware, one of the very first things that I decided when I started this book club is that I didn't want to have the pressure of choosing a book myself. I always wanted to make sure that there was a voting. So I try to always pick two books and then give you guys a chance to vote um, depending on sometimes you guys nominate books. I already have a ton of books nominated for spring. A lot of people have sent me spring suggestions. If you ever want to nominate a book, all you have to do is DM me, email me. My contact is in my Instagram bio. It's also on my website and I can add those to the pool. Just tell me what you, what season you want it to be nominated for. And I can go ahead and put that on a list. Thank you. Hi. Hey everyone, so many cool people. Um, I love your book club. I'm just so in love with Jesus. I love how you glorify him with this. That is really my heart of where this came from, honestly. I used to, I really loved biblical fiction for a really long time and I used to tell people that people would ask me, what are you reading? Obviously, because they'd see me walking around with my nose stuck in a book, straight up Belle, Beauty and the Beast. And um, I'd be like, oh, it's this book. And I'd tell them what it's about and they'd just be like, that sounds like a really bad genre. <laughs> Um, for whatever reason, sometimes people would just be like, are you sure that's okay to read? Um, is that really going to be scripturally accurate? Are those really good? Or is that just boring? And I started this book club because I really just wanted to show how much God can be glorified through fiction writing, which is so true, but especially through biblical fiction. Um, and I do think God is a lover of stories. He writes our story every day. Jesus spoke in parables and taught in stories. And yeah, there's just a lot there. Thank you guys. You guys are giving me so many compliments. I am so thankful for all of you. I feel like I totally don't deserve that. Um, yeah, there's lots of exciting new releases for the spring. Um, so many. So I don't know, the voting process for spring, we might have to do like brackets, like March Madness or something, like several rounds of voting because there's so many good suggestions. Mm. Okay, yeah. Um, if you're wanting to know how to join the book club, there's a there should be a link in my bio. If not, you can always DM me and I can send you the link if you don't find it. I have a link tree in my bio. 
It's going to have all of the links and everything you'll need to know about biblical fiction buffs. Um, it's really fun. So glad you're interested in joining. Hey there! Um, so fun to be a part of a group like this. This has been the best book club ever. Oh my goodness, you guys! You are so sweet! <laughs> Um, yeah, I totally, I'm so happy that, you know, there's just so many people here. There's such a community and so many people that are like-minded and, um, just really, really happy that all this came together. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you because without you guys, it would just still be me in my room reading books and having people ask me about them. And, um, yeah, I also started this book because this book club, because I used to get so many DMS of people asking for recommendations and it's so hard to give recommendations, um, specifically where they just ask me questions about specific books. And I was like, you know, I should start a club for this, a discussion group where people can ask these questions to multiple biblical fiction fans. And then I was like, what should I call it? Biblical fiction buffs. Um, yeah, really fun. Okay, I think we're done with questions and comments, so I'm going to go ahead and move on to the winter book voting process. So, back to what I was saying about voting. Um, I'm really proud of these slides. Just random thought. Back to what I was saying about voting. Um, when I started this book club, I made a commitment that I always wanted to make sure there was some sort of voting involved because I always wanted to make sure that everyone... Like that's kind of one of the things that makes it a community, that it's not just me dictating what we're gonna read. That's one of those things that makes this feel like such a collaborative experience. Like there's such a community here. Like it's it's so much more than just an online discussion board or an online forum to just chat about books. It's, it's kind of like a family environment almost. And so I have picked two books. Um, I have picked two books. And I'm really nervous. <laughs> I am very, very nervous. But essentially, I'm going to show you guys the books on here. And I'm going to talk about them. Do not vote in the comments of this live because I will not see them. Immediately after I close out this live, I am going to put up an Instagram story that has a poll option on it. That is where you will be voting and casting your vote for which book you want to explore this winter with me. I'm very excited for both of these options. I think both of them could be interesting. Um, maybe not, I mean, I can't speak to the plot per se because I haven't read them yet, but I think both could be really interesting in terms of discussion um, when we do our next meeting, which would be in February, um, when we discuss like the history, the context, the culture, all those things that us historical fiction nerds really like to dig into. So yeah, both of these are great options, but may, um, don't vote here. Um, I'll be posting an Insta story with a poll. It's, um, I'll show you what it's gonna look like in a second. I don't wanna spoil anything, but yeah, the first book suggestion that I am suggesting for the winter book. I tried to stick with a Christmassy theme because I have never read a Christmassy biblical fiction book and I thought that could be really interesting. So the first book that I am suggesting is Mary Chosen of God by Diana Wallace Taylor. I've read a few of Diana Wallace Taylor's books in the past. Um, haven't read any in a long time. This is an older one, I believe, as well. But this one is a biblical fiction retelling about Mary, obviously, and Mary and Joseph and that whole 
thing. Her just, I think it, I'm pretty sure, I think I read in a review that this might even, yeah, I think this goes all the way from like the nativity all the way to the crucifixion. So it's kind of a good blend maybe for both Christmas and leading into the spring book pick. Um, so could be interesting to vote on. So that's one choice, Mary Chosen of God. And the second one is a more recent release. I've seen a lot of you guys posting about this book already just on your Instagrams and bookstagram feeds. And it was really hard for me not to comment like, you might want to save this for a little bit. Um, and that is The End of the Magi by Patrick W. Carr. This one is a recent release. It is from Bethany House Fiction. It has gotten a lot of attention recently on socials because it just literally just came out. Um, and of course, this one sounds really intriguing to me. No matter what, I'm probably going to read both this year because I really, I just think that's fun. Most people like to read cutesy Christmas books and I'm just like, I want to dig into biblical fiction. I mean, that's me all the time, but, uh, this one, I'm going to read the back cover of this one because it's a little bit difficult. <laughs> um, following his vision of the coming Messiah, the prophet Daniel calls forth a select group of men who will count down the calendar until the arrival of Israel's promised king. Centuries later, as the day draws near, Mirad, a young magi acolyte, flees for his life when his adopted father and others are slain by a ruthless Parthian queen equipped with very little. In haste, Mirad escapes the city and, searching for a way to hide from the soldiers, scouring the trade routes, tries to join the caravan of the merchant that's a name I can't pronounce. The merchant senses that Mirad is keeping secrets, but when the young man proves himself a valuable asset, an epic journey filled with peril, near captures, and dangerous battles begins. With every day that passes, the calendar creeps closer to the coming Messiah, and over everything shines the dream of a star that Mirad can't forget and the promise that the world will never be the same. So this has to do with, like, the wise men, and I actually, I already read, like, the first 20 pages just to see... And I'm very hooked on this one, so this one's probably where my vote's gonna go, but I am so open to discussing either of these with you guys. How many pages for each? I do wanna answer this question. <sighs> All right, let's see. The, the End of the Magi is 378 pages, and Mary Chosen of God by Diana Wallace Taylor is 300. 315. So there is about a 50 page difference. That's kind of, they look about the same in terms of size. Um, little bit different. I think Mary Chosen of God. Yeah, they're about the same size. Um, 50 pages in difference roughly. I'm bad at doing math in my head. They both sound interesting. A lot of people probably have to read this one for launch teams and stuff because it did just come out. But um, that's totally fine too, because we'd be starting it in December, so you could still technically carry over in conversation. They both sound really interesting and amazing. This one, this one definitely sounds very intriguing, um, just because I do tend to like biblical fiction that's about lesser known or maybe not necessarily biblical figures who are named in the Bible, just something that takes place during biblical times like Connie Lincoln's book. That's one of the reasons I picked it as a choice for the fall book club pick. Um, some people do like books that are specifically about Bible, biblical figures. Some people prefer a little bit more fiction than fact. 
Um, so it's really, it's up to you guys as per usual, but, but I'm going to post an Instagram story and it's going to look like this. And there's going to be a poll option right after I close this out. So when you see this Instagram story, that is where you will cast your vote. It'll have a poll option right here. I'm going to post that. It's going to go live right after I close this live. So that's where you guys will vote. You have plenty of time to vote. You can vote there. I'm also going to post another voting forum on the Goodreads discussion group um, for Biblical Fiction Buffs. That's another place you can vote. Um, and I will be keeping track of all of the votes myself. <laughs> so yeah, I will be posting to the Goodreads group if you want to vote there. There's, I'm also going to be voting option on Instagram. And I'm also going to put a voting option possibly on Facebook. Not sure yet. I'm going to look at the details of that, see if that would be easy for me to count up. But uh, yeah, that's what the voting process is going to look like. Um, I love stories about the unsung or not often praised heroes. Me too. <laughs> me too. The same exact way. So before I go ahead and close out this live, get ready to post that voting poll for you guys. Is there anything that anyone else wants to chat about, right? Um, right before we go, I'm just so grateful for all of you for coming, for joining me for this live. This was my first structured live. Um, if you guys follow me a lot, then you would know that I, um, I go live, not often, but when I go live, it's usually just casual, like, watch, watch what I'm doing. So the Insta story will be up for 24 hours. Um, the Goodreads and the Facebook option, if I do the Facebook option, I'm going to leave open until uh, the end of November. So if you want, you can vote in all three places. Um, sorry, not the end of November. I'm going to close it on November 25th. That way I have five days to announce it so that you guys can kind of, you know, figure that out. Uh, if you have to order a book, make sure you order it so that it gets here in the December region. December, January, February. Remember, that's the quarter of the year. So it's December, January, February. And February is when we will have our next live chat um, with more games and discussions and trivia. Um, so yeah, the Instagram story poll will be up for 24 hours. You can vote on the Goodreads and Facebook post until the 25th of November. That's when I'm going to close it officially. If you want to, your vote to be heard, you can vote in all three places. And so you have the option to cast as many as three votes. And I will be doing the tally myself in an Excel spreadsheet with the help of my husband. <laughs> because again, me and numbers, we don't really mix. Um, but yeah, so that's what that's going to look like. And then I'll announce it before the end of November. Um, so that way you guys have time to order if you need to order so that it gets here within the region of Christmas time, uh, within December. So yeah. Thank you so much for coming. Um, it was really nice to see so many users pop up. I wasn't sure if a lot of people were going to come or if only a few people were going to come. I wasn't sure either if this would be a good time. There were so many, um, there's a lot of people that live farther east than me. I live in California. So usually when I think about lives, I have to think about mostly Eastern time zones and then a few international time zones as well, um, just because that's where all you guys are from. And so I try to like schedule them in the middle of the day because that always works for me. I work from home so I can go live whenever. Um, 
So I hope that if this was a good time, can you let me know? Because I can always move up a couple hours, down a couple hours. I figured a Saturday was probably the best day. So yeah, yeah, thank you for coming. Just let me know if you thought this was a good time. If you won the trivia game, don't forget to contact me, DM me, email me, contact me on my website, whatever, and I can send you the scripture verse prints that you won digitally. I'll send you all those digital files. There's so many of you guys joining. I'm so sorry. We're almost done. But yeah, just um, all that.